So, welcome to Vaginians. This week we are doing our updates and we're going to do a nice little dive into cryptocurrency. What it is, why we love it or are interested in it or are not interested in it. Um, and kind of opening Pandora's box there by getting an intro into why it's a part of our lives in any capacity. Yeah, I'm Becca. I'm Taylor. I'm Jules. And Maggie. Yeah, and we're happy to be your vaginantial advisors today. Trust us. Wow. <laughs> trust us with your life. <laughs> with your life. With your coins. But don't trust us with financial decisions because we are not financial advisors. We're vaginantial advisors. Yeah. So should we, let's start with some financial updates. Should we? Should we? Should we? So sort of on topic for today, we've had uh, quite a substantial investment in cryptocurrency and it's been a fun quarter. <gasps> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we've made a fair amount of money, paper gains, because it's still in the market. But the one that I am most excited about is, I think I mentioned this to y'all before, but I bought like $700 of Theta back around Halloween Yeah. for about $0.68 cents yeah. per token. It is now at like $10.71, like <gasps> $10.71. Holy nice. shit. And it's going to bounce around, of course, it might go way back down, but that means like my $700 was worth like 11 and a half grand. Oh my God. Holy fuck. Are you going to sell? What are you going to do? No, I'm holding it. I think it's got a long way to go because it's not even available on all of the exchanges yet. So it'll probably go live on Coinbase later this year and have another big jump. So I'm not in any rush on that. It was just a lot more growth than I expected. Holy fuck. Ooh, that gave gave me the adrenaline rush of making games. It's so exciting. You're like, ooh, what should I buy? (laughs) Oh, I'm so, that's so exciting. Okay, so did you buy that? What platform did you buy that one on? So that's a little bit more complicated because it wasn't on any exchanges that I had access to. Mm. So what I had to do was buy a different cryptocurrency. I think I bought Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And then I used a platform called SimpleSwap where I can send Ethereum to somebody who has Theta to sell. So it's a marketplace, but not one of the main exchanges. So SimpleSwap.io, I think is the site. Uh, but sometimes you can get access to tokens that aren't available other places. If you use that or if you use something like Uniswap, which is another one. So what um, made you trust Theta enough to put $700 in at $0.68 cents a token? I wish I trusted it so much more because I would have put a lot more than $700 in. That was a lot. speculative on a hot tip from my older brother. Whoa. Yeah. But yeah. okay, so I want to know a little bit more about cryptocurrency. I've been super jealous about how much y'all know. Becca has been diving deep into it mm. with her new man. And I'm <laughs> kind of jealous. Yeah. <laughs> weird crypto love. We're in deep, baby. <laughs> so I want to know. Can you more. tell us what your pillow talk is like? Is it just all fine? Yeah. What's the right cri- <laughs> Give us the crypto, like crypto sexy talk. Oh, yeah. We um, that's pretty much it. We we mostly our sexual discussions are, are around crypto. Yeah. Um, we just kind of like list different tokens like right, like how in each other's you? ear. Yeah. Like what if flow tokens were available in the US? And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Would you bite my Bitcoin? <laughs> I don't know what the Bitcoin supposed to be in this scenario, but maybe like a breast. I don't know. Yeah, maybe a breast. It's definitely a nipple. The answer is yes. Cool, cool. Uh, Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Taylor, you were asking a real question. (laughs) No, I mean, who cares? Who cares? No, I just want to know. So like I've listened to a couple podcasts about it. 
um, just in general, but give me like kind of like a pitch. Like what's an, what's the overview? Like what, what's cryptocurrency? Why does it matter? Um, I feel like Julie can do this much more succinctly and eloquently. No, you know so much. <laughs> Becca, I was really going to lean on you because I feel like because I'm a software engineer, I get so I either get like way deep in the weeds or I don't say anything of use. <laughs> I'm missing the middle part, which is literally useful. never been true of you. Um, but yeah, so the appeal of cryptocurrency is, is, is several things. Um, but one is you can track over the history of the U.S. dollar. It's loss of value right um due to inflation and so cryptocurrency is an online non-fiat currency that's available through blockchain systems um that is entirely non what's the word when you can't copy something counterfeit yeah non-counterfeitable that's what we'll call it fitable uh because of blockchain technology it's a checks and balances system that actually works on like the government checks and balances right um yeah, so cryptocurrency, there's it's a, a broad concept. There's lots of different coins. It's not just Bitcoin, but I think that's what we hear the most about. Um, and but anyone it, can make them, right? Um, it's like in like people that yeah, I mean yeah, basically anyone could make a could make one. Um, that's kind of the beauty beauty of it because it's entirely decentralized, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's what people are going for, right? Like uh, rather than the Fed printing out money. Um, this is a decentralized version of finance that uh, is not currently subject to a ton of government regulation, though Coinbase is one of the platforms. That's an exception of that. It's so interesting to me because the little that I understand about it, what's really fascinating is how like the government doesn't have a say. Like they don't get to decide this is what we're like, this is what we're putting out and this is what it's worth and but whatever, whatever. Like it's completely regulated kind of by the people and like whoever wants to participate in it, which is kind of really cool. But Becca had also sent me this video, which still haunts my dreams. It's such a good one. About we should really share it. We need to. We need to add it in the links. It's it's just basically an overview of like the Federal Reserve, because once we start talking about cryptocurrency, I always go back to that question of like, what is even money? Like, what is it even? What is it? Yeah. Um, And it's fucking nonsense. It turns out like money is a shared delusion, just like government and culture and society yeah like to bring back our our favorite book but isn't that like one of the first chapters of your money or your life Mm -hmm. where they're like what is money and they're like it's It's nothing nothing (laughs) yeah Yeah. literally and that's what's crazy is like you always think you know if you don't really know anything about money you just assume it is a government regulated government created thing and it's not like money is literally printed by the federal reserve which is not part of the government it's just a group of fucking old white dudes who back in the 30s decided we're gonna trick people into allowing us to print and manage money and that is exactly what they did and like they they lend money to the government and then they print money, lend it to the government and then charge them interest on that money that is lended out. And they basically control all of inflation, all of the uh, interest rates. Like it's fucking crazy when you actually learn what it is. You're like, why do we all just agree to this? Yeah. It's bananas. (laughs) It's bananas. Yeah. Money means nothing. It's all just fucking white dudes. Like, 
controlling everything, which we already knew. But when you really learn it, you're like, wow, this is fucked up. Yeah. So crypto is theoretically a way out, right? Um, There's a, a, you could listen to endless podcasts and read endless articles about which tokens are going to take us into um, the new age and, and how crypto is going to affect society. But I don't know at this point, I'm really convinced it's an inevitability. Um, But I don't know shit about shit. So I'm just putting a little money in. So the best advice I got from some random fucking podcast was that if you think maybe like 2% of you believes that cryptocurrency is a reasonable investment and cryptocurrency might be the future of our financial systems, then maybe put 2% of your money into cryptocurrency. If, you know, 4% of you believes that, then maybe put 4% in. And I thought that was a really helpful way to see it. Hmm. Um, So that's kind of how I'm moving forward with my investment thing. And how did you get kind of started when you started getting like what interested you about it that really hooked you and then how did you get going so you have 75 percent of your money in crypto right now I, oh no i have 89 <laughs> percent. no i have Sorry. a very small I, I was well i've been interested for a while i have a friend in houston who's been mining uh ethereum in his backyard for a while but <laughs> what made me like actually put <laughs> make him sound like a psychopath well, yeah he's not he's I, oh, highly I'm sorry. Real yet. quick to interject it. Oh, every time you mention it, it makes me think of a beautiful mind where he's like in the shed, like scribbling on the wall. No, you need to see his bedroom. That he's got like a, a whiteboard behind his door. He's like, look. And like all this shit. No, but what made me put like rubber to the road? Is that the right phrase? Put rubber to the road? Sounds right to me. Boots to the ground? I don't know. Uh, Was I believe I was tipsy on the porch. (laughs) Tipsy on the porch with Zach and Julie. And I was like, all right, I need cryptocurrency. Is there any way y'all can help me set up an account right now? And they're like, like, right now, right now? I was like, yeah, right now. Like, I don't want to not do it right now. And Zach and Julie were like, yeah, I mean, we can do that. And I was like, yeah, just whatever y'all have, set me up with that. Just do that for me. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, And they very kindly, I believe Zach at least was also tipsy, um, were were kind enough to, and it took what, like 18 minutes. It didn't take any time at all. Um, And now I've been introduced to a sweet, beautiful, volatile 24-7 market that I can check on at any moment of the day. And it's going to be different. That's the other big difference, right? Oh, it's so sexy. It's like those 24. (laughs) It's like 24 hour casino. Yes. Like any moment you're like, oh, let's just look at my crypto. Um, That's crazy. So, yeah, I have a I have a, a account through Coinbase that I filter through a program that Zach and Julie use called Shrimpy that. Um, like auto rebalances your accounts. And then I have another account through Kraken um, where right now I'm like buying and holding exclusively Ethereum, but I'm using my friend, my, you know, psychopath and Houston's friend. It's not, Beautiful he's not mind. a psych. He's extremely normal and lovely. <laughs> um, I, he's got an algorithm that he developed that I am uh, trying to incorporate in my investments because I think it's fun to do something that he's passionate about. I would like to take the last three minutes of what you said and show it to Becca two years ago, Becca. Oh, be six like, months ago, yeah. Becca? Six months ago, Becca. You would be like, and be like, who, who, would, who do you think yeah, saying this right yeah. now? <laughs> or like, no, you would, I think you would be convinced that like an alien had infiltrated Ooh, your body. She's dating who? <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and she sold her Jeep? <laughs> She's buying Ethereum <laughs> <laughs> on a platform called Kraken. <laughs> yeah, man, my life is amazing. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. 
I remember very specifically sitting in Zach and Julie's living room when Bitcoin was about $200. And Zach was like, Maggie, I think you should spend some money on this Bitcoin thing. And I was like, well, I have about $1,000 to burn, but that sounds dumb as shit. <laughs> and I didn't. And it went up to, what's it at, $30,000 right now? For one Bitcoin? Yeah. yeah. Wait, so what was the one thing that like really hooked you? Do you remember, like, did you read an article or like what really got your fucking juices going about mm. So What got you hot and heavy? Um, I don't know. I mean, I talked to Julie about it and uh, I think I just started hearing, like the more you dive into finance, the more mm-hmm. you hear all these new words. And I think I'd just been reading and hearing more and more about cryptocurrency to where I was like, oh, it feels really silly that I'm like not even remotely involved in crypto. Right. Um, And so I just wanted to, I'd like opened the Coinbase account a few days before I talked to Zach and Julie. uh, And then I hadn't done shit with it because I was so intimidated. So I just like needed their. (laughs) It's Coinbase. Is that, do they have an app? Yeah. Is it easy to use? uh, It's, it's fairly easy to use as far as cryptocurrency Mm -hmm. apps go. I'm not entirely, and maybe Julie can speak otherwise. I'm not wildly impressed with any cryptocurrency app that I've come across. Um, I think you have to know about cryptocurrency to be able to use it well. But after like a quick Google and reading tutorials, you can do it. Okay. Yeah. It is interesting. I've only been like very lightly reading about it. Um, but I've noticed that it's coming up more and more in just regular financial news. Like mm-hmm. I'm not even seeking it out. I'm just seeing it. You know, I was, I shared that art, one article with y'all where it was like designing for crypto and like, mm-hmm. we need to make more usable crypto apps and websites because more people like, that's when, you know, it's like really getting out there when they're talking about like, you know, creating more websites and apps for it. But also, um, I've been reading that like banks and all these different financial institutions are starting to buy up crypto like crypto like crazy. Mm-hmm. And like even though on on you know socially they're saying like oh crypto fuck that it's like not important because you know they're they're all like most of their money is in um the US currency and other currencies. Uh kind of like behind the doors they're all buying crypto right now cuz they they also believe it's going to be huge early even if it might like they want to get yeah. in on it. So it's not just like individuals it's corporations and companies and banks that are starting to buy crypto and invest in it which is really interesting yeah oh yes, but there's been a lot of institutional money yeah in private and publicly held companies moving into that market this year yeah and i think that a big part of that is is we, we should probably take a step back and talk about the technology that cryptocurrencies are built on yeah because that's so much ask. of why yeah yeah, I was this just going to ask thing. why crypto over normal U.S. currency, despite like outside of the regulations, um, government regulations, what's so great about crypto? Yeah, walk us through blockchain, well, think- Julie. <laughs> Let's talk about blockchain for a moment. So this is this is basically the actual software that is being used to track these currencies. But the software is built with all the rules about the currency. So where Taylor was talking about the Federal Reserve managing the U.S. money, that means that they can change how much money exists, which then causes inflation or deflation and other things. They control the interest rates, all of that. Whereas with blockchain, um, when they create a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, they set a fixed amount of Bitcoin that was ever going to exist in all of time. And it's slowly coming to market. So once all of it's in the market, that's it, which means that that's a fixed asset. There will never be any more of it. So at that point, the value starts going up as opposed to like the US dollar this year, where we're seeing they made a lot more money. So we're having inflation. So the value is going down. 
and that's controlled by humans. So they can keep changing it. When you invest in Bitcoin, you know, there's only ever going to be so much. So that's a really big difference. Mm -hmm. And it's run all by the software. There's a small team that develops the software, but they're really just there to make sure that if there's like a bug in the software, it gets addressed. But the principles of how the currency is going to operate for the entirety of time is already built in at the start. And it's managed by the software, not by humans. So there's a lot more trust base in the system. And um, the way that blockchain itself works is basically, instead of having a bank that keeps track of everyone's transactions, like one place, what happens is the log of transactions actually gets stored on different computers all over the world. So if I want to make a transaction, like I want to send Taylor money, I can send that up as a request. And then a bunch of these different computers record that transaction and add it to the chain. And then when Taylor goes to get the money and she goes, yep, I should have some money in there. It goes and checks all of these different ledgers that are copies of the exact same transaction on a bunch of different computers and basically validates, yep, at least 10 of our computers said that that is true and then releases the money to Taylor. So it's a trustless system where you're not relying on a bank who could be corrupt or a government who could be corrupt. It's all tracked in a decentralized fashion by a lot of different people. And isn't the fee really, really low compared to bank fees? It can be. This is this is something that's kind of dynamic and mm-hmm. it depends on the different cryptocurrencies. Um, but they're also, a lot of them are working like Ethereum. Their team is working really hard on a new version of Ethereum that sort of brings the transaction costs down because some of their transaction costs have actually gotten quite high. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, but the really- general principle is that, yes, because you're removing a middleman and right. replacing it with a software-based middleman, mm-hmm. you can get really, really small margins on transaction costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was reading an article that was talking about Bitcoin specifically and how, you know, theoretically, if you bought a house and used Bitcoin, all of the, you know, fees associated with buying a house could potentially be much lower because you're not going through like a bank or, you know, traditional means. Yeah, you're not paying escrow officers yeah. to maintain the to be the middleman. We're like, I give you the money and they give you the papers for the house and then you, once you have both, give them to the other parties. Instead, the software can do that itself. Yeah. I love I love the idea of a software that replaces banks. You know, like in cuz you know how so much so many jobs are being automated right now and it's kind of I mean, we've talked about this before and I know Julie especially talks about it a lot is how especially the working class and a lot like t- so many jobs are just all going to automation and it's usually affecting poorer people. I love the idea of a, like automating jobs that affect rich people. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be an interesting world. Yeah. Julie, do you have any thoughts on like one thought I had about cryptocurrency is since the amount of tokens it's finite, not for all tokens, I guess. I think Dogecoin is not necessarily finite. Um, but if it's finite, and I think with like Bitcoin, there's going to be what, 21 million tokens total, and I think 19 million are already mined, something along those lines. So how do you build an equitable economy when the people who have who are early adopters have access to these coins? And if cryptocurrency becomes the future and if bitcoin is a major player 
how can there be any sort of equitable distribution of funds of people who bought it at $10, um, you know, 10 years ago have the bulk of the like uh, volume. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's a very, very powerful and important question. And I don't think there, there's necessarily a perfect answer. But I think so there are definitely going to be some early adopters. We already have seen it who have made a ton of money from this. There are also a lot of people who were in that early adopters who lost their access to their Bitcoin because they didn't know like wallet technology, Coinbase didn't necessarily exist back then, all of those types of things. So there aren't as many of those people as like we are still technically in the early adoption cycle, which is why I think it's so important for more women and people of color and not just your tech bros to actually be getting into the market sooner rather than later, because we're still in the early adoption cycle. Yeah. Um, but there, there's definitely going to be some inequities in, in one way, replacing our current system with a new set of oligarchs. Yeah, right. They're just tech bro oligarchs. But it is interesting. And one thing that Zach and Julie, I know have brought up multiple times, but also that if you read any kind of intro stuff to crypto, they'll bring up that like developing countries that have more unstable currencies are starting to turn their gaze towards crypto because it's a stable currency where they can put their money. Um, so that was something that I thought was really uh, alluring about it, uh, was that it gives the opportunity for a stable place to hold your money. I think I, I read today that the lira is t- looks like it's collapsing or, or certainly losing value very rapidly in Turkey. So there's like a big uh, purchasing of cryptocurrency going on in Turkey. So it makes me wonder if like it's going to be you know, upper class or whatever, um, tech folks who have access, but then it's going right. to be developing nations who out of necessity and not mm-hmm. speculation like us, right? Out of necessity are buying cryptocurrency and like the last adopters are going to be the people who are comfortable, but not rich in fiat mm-hmm. currency mm-hmm. Uh, who finally start to purchase crypto i don't know I think fiat like, is like physical money right like yeah, traditional like, us yeah, like exactly. us government dollar back. government yeah. yeah it is well it, it it may still be digital currency if it's fiat because like in the u.s most of our transactions are done electronically right, right. but it's a government man government man okay it is that that is a really interesting dynamic because you do wonder like the people that are creating these currencies just like the people who create anything, you're going to have, you know, natural bias when it comes to that. And also they're going to be the first adopters. So Mm -hmm. for example, you create a currency that you believe is going to make a lot of money. You are the one that has first access to that, right? Mm -hmm. So like how, is that how these engineers, software engineers are kind of paying themselves back is, okay, I create a hundred thousand, you know, coins of this my currency i'm gonna keep you know how does that work like they keep 10 percent and then release the rest or they decide how much they want to keep for themselves like how do you pay yourself as an engineer who creates blockchain mm-hmm. it varies from currency to currency and that has been a big pr issue for some of them but most people are very upfront with like this is how we're compensating our team uh, oftentimes like a lot of the new ones they might get a stake at the beginning, like a certain amount, but um, very similar to like stock options, they may not be able to exercise them. So they just have to stick them in storage and leave them there for like five or 10 years. 
Interesting. So they have to believe in the long-term viability of that cryptocurrency, which is really like that gives the trust to the cryptocurrency. Um, One thing I was going to say, and I want to preface it by saying that I'm not an economist, so there's a good chance that I have a vast misunderstanding of this article that I read. But it had nothing to do with cryptocurrency. It was about this group that it was kind of like a babysitting group where they created a currency system. It was like one dollar equals one night of babysitting, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then this parent group shared it. Mm -hmm. And the system crashed multiple times because and they couldn't figure out why it wasn't working and it's because they had a finite amount of money in there Mm -hmm. and so once people got it human behavior they started hoarding it Mm -hmm. and no one was spending it interesting so the system crashed and i wonder if that could potentially happen with finite cryptocurrency so that sort of has to do with like the rate at which it comes to market increases the market supply so you can go on any of like the coin market tracking websites and see not only the price but notice the market cap and that tells you how much supply is basically in uh, circulation and um, because you can share these things fractionally the value per a smaller amount of bitcoin just goes up but there's still enough liquidity in the market to facilitate that because of the rate that they set right but what about in a hundred years when you know, you've had 21 million, you said, Bitcoin in the market, and that's all that's been in there for X amount of time. Like, I feel like over time, that could become an issue. Okay, so yes, but I think the biggest difference is that in the babysitting marketplace, there was one service being provided and one good being purchased. So if there weren't enough transactions, people weren't sharing the currency back and forth. But if Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency becomes a predominant currency that we actually use to buy our groceries, pay for houses, that type of stuff, those transactions are going to be happening. So there's enough transaction volume to create an exchange of currency. Especially if there's incentive, right? Like Mm -hmm. say they could incentivize you to use Bitcoin instead of U.S. currency, by saying, you know, our fees are lower, our, you know, whatever else to incentivize people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, th- so the biggest difference there is that, like, there's one currency in each of those markets, but the babysitting market only has one thing happening. And if the transaction volume's not there, then money's not changing hands. But, like, the US dollar, people don't just hoard it and keep it in savings because they actually have to spend it because it's the predominant way to right. facilitate all of these different transactions. Yeah. And the, the Nomad, what is the podcast? The Mo- Nomad podcast, the one that you were in? Nomad and Spice. Nomad, Nomad and, Spice. and Spice. Highly recommended. We should definitely share that link because it was really great. Um, the woman that they interviewed who was kind of like their expert on cryptocurrency said that her she actually pays for her rent in, crypto, in Bitcoin because her landlord accepts it. So I thought that was really cool because it's a direct, you know, direct transaction of paying a bill and you don't have to go through a middleman to do it. I do love the story of um, early Bitcoin investors buying things like a cup of coffee for four Bitcoin. It's like, oh, that's like $100,000 now. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? That's a thing? Yeah. People are like, because Bitcoin used to be worth like a penny or less than a penny. Oh and so God. people would have like a bunch of Bitcoin and then you could, there's, when we were in college, 
There's restaurants on the drag that you could pay for your food in Bitcoin. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. There's a gas station down the street that has a Bitcoin ATM. I've never even noticed them, honestly. Yeah. I think the new and even uh fucking Lost Well has a Bitcoin ATM. Is that really? Yeah, or a crypto ATM. Isn't that bizarro? Let me just take out forty six thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> or one Bitcoin. Just one little Bitcoin. That's crazy. That's really cool. I should start trying to notice that more. Yeah, there are I mean, some businesses that'll have a little sign outside of the front door that says like we accept Bitcoin. We accept Visa, MasterCard, Cash, and Bitcoin. Wow. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So I guess there's like uh if you're a business, are there uh like a special equipment or machines you have to buy that will like trans translate about it. like I mean, the amount of bitcoin an account yeah so but right. i don't know much so about like it. if you're a coffee shop and you accept bitcoin and someone wants to pay with bitcoin how do they do that at a coffee shop is there like an app and you scan it like apple pay like how do you actually buy like a cup of coffee with bitcoin so the way that transactions actually work is that you have a wallet which has like basically your username and password. It's not called that, but username and password. Mm -hmm. And then they also have a wallet and they give you the address of the wallet and you send it. So it's Finma. very similar actually to how mm -hmm. your, your debit card works. Your debit card has an address on it, a number, and you swipe it. And when you swipe it, it goes to their merchant account's address. So whatever you're using, like Coinbase, you can send it through that. Okay. You just so put in their, their wallet address. So if we wanted to, for example, sell merchandise on our store and we wanted to accept Bitcoin, which we should, how, or I, I'm, I guess there's programs that will just, like if you put in, like this is a $20 t-shirt, it'll like tell you how much that's worth in Bitcoin. Yeah, you could either price it separately or have it go through the market price where it'll calculate like, okay, it's 20 US dollars, so it's X Bitcoin right now. Um, there are tools and technologies that have been built around this, like shopping carts, right? Mm -hmm. When you want to pay with a credit card, you go to a website and they use a shopping cart software that actually does the connection between your account and the other account. Mm -hmm. So there are shopping cart softwares that are built to connect your wallet for cryptocurrency with the merchant's wallet. I love it. That was a good overview, I think. Yeah, I yeah, I think it's super fucking fascinating, and it's. I think we should definitely accept Illyrium. Is it Illyrium? Ethereum. Uh, Ethereum. We should definitely be accepting Ethereum and Bitcoin at our shop, <laughs> online yeah. shop. We could make a coin called Delirium, though. Oh, we Ooh, should. That would be cool. I want to make a coin before Ooh. I die. Uh, you absolutely should. Um, we should also have a badge for anyone that invests in. Uh, cryptocurrency. Fuck yeah. Called Delirium. Called Delirium. <laughs> Congrats on your Delirium. So I think Ethereum, I, I would love to hear why you're so interested in Ethereum, but I do think it's it's an interesting cryptocurrency because of the software it's built on, which is Ethereum, the software, right? Um, is was actually designed as a platform for other software applications to be built on it. So if you think about something like WordPress, a basic software for building websites, but any software engineer can build more complex features like a shopping cart that builds on top of WordPress. And Ethereum is the same way, where it is this transaction ledger 
that is available for other software engineers to build other tools on top of it. So for example, um, smart contracts is a really big thing on yeah. Ethereum. And basically what that is, let's say Carvana, instead of having to use banks as a middleman or escrow accounts for buying houses, you could just write a software that says, okay, when Becca's car gets picked up, that gets recorded in the transaction log. And then Carvana puts money into this wallet that's run by the smart contract. When both of those things has ha have happened, then send the money to Becca and send the car to Carvana. Yeah. But it's all done by the software. So that could be a software application that Carvana builds that uses the Ethereum ledger and yeah. records a transaction on Ethereum. Well, so I think that's pretty much like you hit the nail on the head with. So, okay, the reason I'm like very hot on Ethereum is a I am easily influenced by those around me, um, and because Travis is a big, big old bowl of Ethereum, uh, he certainly wooed me with it. But it's beyond that. I mean, Ethereum is is the programs on which they build NFTs, right? And NFTs are the new hot hotness, the new hot commodity, non fungible tokens. Um, the new way to uh, buy and sell digital art, among other things. Um, so, and I think there's a big future in NFTs. Uh, f however, however you personally feel about buying an NFT or a digital collector's basketball card. We should totally talk about that. Yeah. Because that's a huge thing that's come up. Lately. It is huge. And it's tied to Ethereum, though. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's because of, unless I'm wrong, please correct me if I am. Um, I think that's a big reason to kind of go hard on Ethereum right now, because I think there's a big future in that. And there's a big present in that. Jesus Christ. Real quick, explain what NFTs are. <sighs> uh, Non-fungible tokens are uh, basically a, a digital piece of work, um, and that could be a, a visual art, or it could be an audible art, um, whatever. And it, it's basically you're getting a unique, genuine artifact, right? But it's digital. Right, so, it has like a serial number, essentially. Yeah, exactly, right. So you can't counterfeit it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's just got all the appeal of a collector's item, but it's digital Without and can be traded. Junk around your house. Yeah, you don't want that fucking Who needs shit. More crap? You want that junk in your phone. Exactly. <laughs> I I just love like this past like two weeks when NFTs have really blown up because of the basketball cards. Yeah. Every sentence basically in our household now ends with we should make that into an NFT. We should make that an NFT. <laughs> we should make that. We've had a lot of really good ideas. We need to make our podcast cast episodes in NFTs. Yeah. We need to make pictures of our boobs into NFTs. Yeah. We need mostly to be, nude art. Mostly we keep hovering around the nudes. <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly. Um we can You we could probably sell some of this uh if you did create something like that, you could mm -hmm. just market it to OnlyFans. Our our tokens should be NFTs. Like when you earn a token, it should be your token. That's a great idea. Like our little badge. Yeah, that's our little our, sorry, that's what I meant. Our badges. Yeah. yeah. Our badges should be NFTs. Badge NFT. Uh, someone figure out how to make an NFT. Hashtag <laughs> not it. Absolutely. Well, which I forget which one of us is the software engineer. Uh, I, like <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> done. Done. Consider it done. Okay. So so that. NFTs are really interesting because obviously what we're seeing the initial batch of NFTs is a lot of digital art and a lot of collector digital collector items like right. the NBA basketball videos and stuff like that. But the real killer use case for these things is NFTs that represent physical assets in the real world. 
So that could be your house. Instead of having to go to a title company and have them verify Mm. that the person selling the house actually owns the rights to sell it and that you can actually buy it, Mm -hmm. you get rid of the title company and you have an NFT that has recorded on the ledger that this house belongs to so-and-so or this group of people. And so when there's going to be a transaction to sell it, those people sign off on the token being sold to the other person in exchange for money. Okay, Um, see, that makes so much more sense than having, like, a fucking physical social security card, which I still think is the most archaic thing in the history of time. Why (laughs) why can you not lose your security card, social security card? That's crazy. That is insane. And, like, why do you need your driver's license with you? Tiny slip of paper for your entire life. And if you lose it, you're fucked. Yeah, and, like, you need your driver's license present, even though we have infinite records of this existing. This is crazy. That's all I'm saying. Right, so you could have an NFT that stores the data for your driver's license. So if you get pulled over, you tap your little phone with your NFT driver's license wallet on the officer's tablet, and it transfers and gives access. It's like, oh, yeah, this is Becca. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I I think the physical assets being represented by tokens is actually a much bigger impact on the broader society. But what we're seeing, the initial use case is very art focused. Yeah. Or collectors. Which makes sense from like an initial initiative. (laughs) Initial initiative. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's very low stakes, right? right? Some of them have actually gone for a ton (laughs) of money. But in general, a lot of them, especially the earliest ones that were sold, were very low stakes, low cost items to prove the concept that we could start transferring things like car titles and house titles and those types of things onto a blockchain ledger. Yeah. Becca, I heard something funny on the news that you just made reminded me of. Yeah. Um, it was about a serious topic, but this lady was like, it's been going on for a long time. And you know what? Even before that. (laughs) 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 I was like, (laughs) That's hilarious. She's talking about a really serious topic, though. And so it's like, do I laugh? Do I not laugh? It was funny, though. That's an incredible line. <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that out right now. <laughs> going on for a really long time. <laughs> even, wait, and even before that. And you know what? Even before, before that. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funnier the more I think about it. <laughs> Come lose some money in crypto with me. <laughs> It seems like you're being that is the most like appealing that's ever been. <laughs> your so sexy lace socks, Julie. Stop it! Like you need to be. That needs to be like a marketing <laughs> campaign for Bitcoin. <laughs> hey. Go to our website, vaginance.com. You can leave us a voice message that we might even play on an episode in the future. So if you ever want to hear yourself on Vaginance, uh, you should go to our website and leave us a message with your uh, love for us or with any questions you have, whatever you want. Um, you can also go to our Instagram at Vaginance Podcast and check out what we've been posting. We've been trying to post some educational stuff. We try to post a good book we've been reading regularly. Becca's um, been killing it on Instagram. <laughs> Becca's trying her no, best. No, <laughs> I honestly, like, it's funny because I'll look at the Vaginants Instagram and I'll be, like, screenshotting stuff that I need to look up later because I'm like, ooh, that's really good information. Uh, Yay. Yeah, no. And I, I the, all the memes make me chuckle. It's very good. And I really do deeply appreciate you mm. taking that on. Thank you. It means a lot to me because I'm really glad I don't have to do it because I know how hard it is. So. I kind of love it. It's I'm like really glad yeah, you do. I enjoy it, it a lot. It would only cause me stress if I had to do it. So 
Um, yeah. Um, and then what else do we want people to do? Send us any message over anything. Yeah, we want to hear about your life. You exist. I feel like we're kind of talking to a void sometimes. Where yeah. Like, I want people... If anyone is listening, please let us know. Yeah, we want to hear about your financial accomplishments or the thoughts you've had about maybe moving forward with potential financial accomplishments. We want to send you postcards. One of the biggest things that I have really, really loved doing this is just hearing from our friends who feel obligated to listen to our podcast. Um, Suckers. Suckers. But a lot of them have like made huge financial improvements in their lives, like are opening up you know, investing accounts and paying attention to their 401ks. And it's incredible just within our circle of friends, how many people have started like really seriously looking at their finances. Yeah. 